This is the Obio Podcast. It's time to grow. Hey there, my name is Sophia, your host. You can find me on Twitter at SophiaSH underscore. And today's guest is Daria Denseva. She is a biohacker and founder of the first and only DIY biolab in Ukraine. She has been part of the CDC biohacker group, a trio of biohackers who, among other things, created a DIY coronavirus vaccine for themselves and it worked. <laughs> As a biohacker, she also has experience with experiments like genetically modifying bacteria in all sorts of ways, culturing human cells, and recently using microinjection on zebrafish embryos, which I find incredibly interesting. And we are going to talk about that a little bit in this episode as well. Um, but yeah, apart from microinjection, I would really just love to get to know Daria better. I think that her her perspective as a biohacker and someone who did biohacking in Ukraine can be very helpful. Um, she's also like uh, just graduated from her undergrad in biotech in Ukraine, so she's like a young person doing science. Um, you know, she collaborated closely with David Aishi and Josiah Zainer, who are other biohackers um, that I really admire as well. So yeah, I think this conversation could be very interesting. Thank you very much for listening. And before we start, I actually want to apologize for the audio quality um, at the beginning. I know I keep on having problems with this, but I'll figure it out for the next one. So let's get started. So thank you very much for coming, Daria. I'm really excited to talk with you and know more about you. So um, let's start. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I I'm wondering, just like um, out of curiosity, what's the weirdest experiment you've ever done? The weirdest experiment I've ever done. That's that's an interesting question. Well, I feel like the the idea like COVID vaccine was definitely pretty weird, <laughs> but it was also pretty pretty cool. The weirdest I've done. Oh my god, I feel like every experiment is weird. It's uh, it's it's just weird to do it outside of traditional, uh, you know environment so everything feels weird but okay the weirdest okay actually i remember one we were trying in my lab to have a fight between our white blood cells and bacteria so we grow some uh you know e coli in suspension and then we drew our own blood you know centrifuge it down spin it down to uh separate white blood cells so and we mixed uh, white blood cells with some dye and some bacteria and tried to see it under the microscope to see the the epic battle. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably crazy. that's the weirdest experiment I've probably done. Wow. Now yeah, the you, COVID you vaccine. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. I'll, well, maybe I'll try it one time. Now the COVID vaccine doesn't sound so crazy. It's like you're trying to see in real time what happens in our bodies. I guess that was. The kind of yeah, idea. I mean, you know, when you when you have your uh, an antigen in your bloodstream, mm -hmm. yeah, pretty much. And I just thought it was going to be an epic battle <laughs> to see it under the microscope. Yeah, I can imagine that. Well, now you know how do you get there to like do those sort of sorts of experiments, and how did you started to get interested in biotech? I always 
was into live things and just life itself. And then I was graduating school, you know, and I had to decide. So what was going to be my degree? And biotech for me seemed like a, a very pragmatic field, especially nowadays, because it's it's biology plus tech. So it is very, you know, important and can solve a lot of our problems and very, is very, very promising. So I thought it's, it's probably going to be the best, right? Hmm. Yeah. And then I got, so. into, got to school and uh, I, uh, I have a bachelor's in biotechnology and bioengineering. So basically because you've always liked, I guess, biology and then biotech sounded like a promising field? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you want to, uh, I mean, I love others, uh, other genres of biology, I like to call it genres. Yeah, like, I love marine biology a lot, but, you know, you also, you have to think of, yes, it is great and it's important, but our, our world is kind of on the verge of a lot of changes and a lot of not very pleasant stuff happens. And you're like, okay, what is the most... What is the field I can like put my effort to and actually help and change something and, you know, problem solving, right? So I to like me, that. it seemed like it's, it's the way because, you know, our, our future, if you don't change anything, doesn't seem very bright and promising. Yeah. And I don't want it to be that way. Especially for us, for Gen Z, it's our mission to fix all the all the stuff because we're left with this planet and we're you know <laughs> we're like oh my god now we have to like do, deal with it on our own right mm -hmm. after all these generations been messing up with our planet i know i know it's like previous generations were like yeah let's create cars and um i don't know ipads but now we're like oh let's solve climate change and I don't know, all these problems. Oh, mass extension. Exactly. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. And talking about that, what are some problems that interest you currently? Uh, oof. I feel like every problem interests me. Because, uh, I mean, genetic engineering is like my most field. I love, uh, I love that, right? But problems, uh, main problem is... Um, from for me is Ukrainian educational system. I want to change that. My problem is the problem I see is the science knowledge biotechnology not being distributed evenly. So I try to fix that in Ukraine. Uh, I mean also medical fuel, genetic engineering. We all know, you know, big pharma. Yeah, it's also me. It's memes, but it's not only memes. And uh, big pharma for sure, you know, just genetic engineering and medicine, uh, you know, also we're doing stuff like real fake meat when we try to grow meat in uh, flasks and culture cells, right? We also do that. And there is lots of things. So I just try to, I mean, there's a lot of problems. I just seek out ones that I can maybe try to, you know, myself at fixing and see what happens. Cool. You also mentioned that you did get a bachelor's degree in biotech, but uh, were you doing biohacking at the same time or how did biohacking start for you? Well, so I went to university in Dnipro and, you know, I was, as I was 17 going to university and I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know much about biotech, but I'm so passionate and I want to change the world. And I was <laughs> like, I, I really want to do science, right? It's yeah. very naive, but it's also, it's, you know, the good intentions. Yeah. So I got in and after first semester, I was so depressed because I was like, 
professors are so passive and just like educational system, you know, academia system, it's not efficient. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't care about problem solving. It cares about other things like finance, you know, finance or grants or like, you know, well, how many papers have you submitted on a pointless topic and stuff like that. So I, I was kind of breath after my first semester. And then my brother, actually, he told me about biohacking. He was like, hey, I know you do, you, you're interested in biotech. And, uh, you know, he's he's not from the biotech field. And he was like, look at this. So he showed me biohacking. He was like, people are building labs in their garages, houses. They're making community labs. And they make knowledge accessible and they learn. So I was very inspired by that. It, like, it changed my mind. I was like, how is it, you know, I have that still academia preset in my mind that's like, you cannot do this, these things. It's impossible to do these things outside traditional media. Uh, so, yeah, and I started just gathering my first lab. So it was 20, beginning of 2018, like New Year's, so version of 2017, 2018. And I just started doing it for myself to learn, right? Little stupid experiments, not even like transformation, but like, Ooh, can I grow bacteria on this? How does this look under a microscope? Can I extract my own DNA with the soap, you know, and uh, <laughs> salt? All these uh, things you can do without any knowledge or any materials. And that's how I started. And then I was like, okay, this is pretty insane, right? I do CRISPR, I do other experiments that my university doesn't even do, <laughs> right? My professors don't do that. And I just started gathering friends from my university and be like, okay, let's hang out every Wednesday, do experiments and drink beer. That's going to be our plan. <laughs> and that's how it all started. That's how first uh, DIY bio lab in Ukraine started. I, I still don't get why biohackers love beer so much, but <laughs> probably something to try. <laughs> okay, not exactly. I don't really like beer, but uh -huh. in my case, it was apple cider. Oh, nice. I like apple cider. <laughs> All right. And I was also seeing in your Twitter that you started out with some, is it amino lab equipment? Yeah, it was, uh, so I had a gift for my brothers for New Year's. Uh, it was this amino lab DNA playground. So it's literally meant for kids, right? Yeah. To transform bacteria. It has like a heating station. It has like a cooling station for a heat shock and like a little tea uh, incubator. And it's like, you know, I received it as kids and it looks so colorful. It's literally made for kids to learn, right? It's very, it's called playground. It's literally <laughs> for 12 year old kids. But I was like, oh my God, this is, I'm going to learn from this. Definitely. Like, it has a lot of things, right? That you need to do bacteria experiments and you can even modify bacteria with that, right? Yeah, I mean, I still use that piece of equipment, right? It was cool. my first piece of equipment and it's great. I use it for transformation all the time. Nice. And also, I wonder, you were living in Ukraine at that time. So how was the biohacking landscape back then? I mean, pre-Danceva lab. <laughs> and right now, of course. Well, too. so, you know, I, I started doing that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. You know, there's DIY bio labs all over the world. There's probably one in Ukraine. I want to join these people and do incredible stuff. Then I did research. And turned out there's no biohacking labs. And I'm the first biohacker to be. And I was like, oh man, it didn't, you know, it wasn't my plan to create a community and make a lab, but I was like, well, if it's not there, someone has to do it. And I was like, well, I guess I'll do it. So 
that's how it started. So yeah, and now we are, you know, we're doing workshops, we're doing lectures all over Ukraine. We, you know, we collaborate with the sci different scientists, artists, and engineers in Ukraine. Um, we're growing the biomass of biohackers in Ukraine, and like I have an amazing team, and we're opening a lab for everyone. It's uh, it's incredible, and people in Ukraine are hungry for this kind of stuff. Really, because you know when you're coming from a developing country because ukraine is not a first world country right mm -hmm. and when you're coming from a developing country people are hungry for opportunities they are very passionate you just have to show them give them hope and show them that there is amazing things possible <clears throat> because you do become kind of like oh i need to make money like what are you? i mean i am in love with science but like you know i need to survive that's your concern or like, what can I do? How can I change the world if I'm from Ukraine? But you can, you can. And, you know, showing that to Ukrainians has been amazing and seeing their eyes light up and just like, hmm. oh my God, it's the future of biotech is in Ukraine. And I, I, I stand by that. That's so awesome. And, you know, were there any, I guess, challenges or difficulties regarding regulations or any other sorts of things that you came across? Well, it's interesting because we have a lot of regulations, uh, like government regulations for like, you cannot grow, uh, if you're a farmer, you cannot grow GMO crops or stuff like that. Or like there's a lot of restrictions for universities, academia, you know, stuff. But DIY by lab is like, it's not recognized by law in any way. So you can do whatever you want. Whoa. I mean, unless you obviously you're not hurting other people and like not experimenting on other people and stuff <laughs> like that. So there's never, you know, I've been called by a terrorist in Ukrainian <laughs> media uh, after COVID vaccine and like people be like, oh, we're going to call the government and everything. Oh my God. But like, I am still waiting, you know, since I started, I was always waiting on that knock on the door or like uh, door being necked out by like SWAT police. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yet. No, I hope it never happens. You're doing great stuff. And like, as you say, people are, are learning. Then that's what matters. It's, it, you seem to be like so passionate about like showing other people what biohacking is. It's just, it's really Yeah, inspiring. biohacking is not marginal in any way. It, it, is, uh, it is unusual. And people are scared of things they don't understand. And that's why our job is to just talk about it and show it, you know, be very open and transparent. And it changes, you never, you can never change someone else's mind. You can just show everything and, you know, that allows them to be like, okay, actually I'll, I'll think about it. And it works. It's the best way to do it. Now tell me more about the Odin and how you got involved in the Corona project. And you also spent... Uh, some, I guess, months at the Odin, like the actual store. So tell me more about that. Okay, so uh, COVID-19 happened in uh, 2020. Uh, it was end of May, and the paper came out in a science magazine about DNA vaccine. And um, I didn't know about that. Josiah just sent me a link. He was like, you want to do COVID vaccine? I was like, <laughs> I mean, if Josiah texts you, Josiah's in and you're like, want to do COVID vaccine? Of course you're going to say yes. 
but I didn't think I would be like one of the participants in actually making it. I thought he would more, I'll be more like a lab tech or help or just be around. And I was already excited, you know. <laughs> and he sent me this paper. And so the scientists have made a DNA vaccine. It's literally just a plasmid vector with a spike uh, protein uh, sequence. And just like purity, usually if you do transfection, use uh, or you want to do DNA, use transfection uh, regions or use vectors or stuff like that because uh, it's pretty hard to get DNA into cells. What was incredible about this paper is that they have DNA vaccine. They tested it on rhesus uh, macaques, and like this is the last step before testing it on humans, mm-hmm. and it worked. And they just used pure DNA without even transfection rhesus. They used a lot of it. The concentration was really high, but it worked. So it was insane. I'm like, oh my god, this is so easy. We can literally recreate it. It's everyone can recreate it with basic just molecular biology. Yeah. There's nothing, com- uh, you know, complicated there. So of course I said yes, and especially you know, and I remember that time uh, levels of COVID in Ukraine were pretty high, and vaccines still don't you know uh, not coming out. And when it's a DNA vaccine, I was like, oh my god, I can distribute it so easily in Ukraine. Because like with DNA vaccine, it's so easy to replicate it. Just like grow it. I mean, transform bacteria, grow it in bio uh, reactor, and then you have thousand more, ten thousand more of it. Mm-hmm. And also, I thought, you know, we're living in a world when there's like global pandemic, but also a lot of anti-vax people. And I don't think it's th- their fault. We or we should blame anti-vax people for having an opinion. I just th- feel like, you know, our governments and scientists fail to communicate about how, how do we, you know, what's in a vaccine? How do we make a vaccine and stuff like that? So I thought, you know, it's going to be great. And we received so many messages from people being like, you know, I would definitely, I wouldn't take Pfizer or Moderna, but I'll take your vaccine anytime. And I feel like it's important because a lot of anti-vax people would be like, you know what, actually, you know, they change their mind because you, you communicate, you don't call them stupid or anything. You're just like, so this is how it works. And I think science should be more like that because right now science seems to be very divisive and uh, not transparent and very political in my opinion. Interesting. So it's not only about like having access or not to a lab or having credentials or not having them, but about also how you communicated like, oh, I was listening to, again, your podcast with, with David and you were saying like, oh, you don't want to see, see yourself as a scientist and other people like non-scientists, like anyone can do it, right? And then that communication gap could be important. Yeah. Communication is key, especially for science. Come on, that's how science is done. Yeah. It's all about communication, uh, but it, it fails and keeps keeps fa- failing miserably. Uh, and we can see it in a, like a crisis, like COVID. And it's not even the worst crisis, right? It's pretty mild compared to stuff that can actually happen. Yeah. So it's definitely a problem, and a good thing biohacking exists, and we're the ones that can change it. They can see the problem and be like, you know, we can, we can, we can show a different perspective. Okay. And how about your summer at the Odin? That sounds exciting too. Yeah. So I mean, I graduated university in uh, June. And just, uh, I'm also, you know, Josiah Zayner, and he's uh, making it. Biohack the Planet documentary. So he's making a documentary about biohacking and he wants me to be in a 
first episode. So I was there to film and also help because they moved from Oakland to Austin to a new awesome space. So I was there to help, you know, to experiments. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, fix some walls and paint them, <laughs> also stare, uh, be, be filmed for documentary and all that uh, fun stuff. And just hang out because like everyone at the Odin is my friend. Uh, we're friends. I'm literally in love with every single one of them. They are beautiful souls. And it's just, the team is absolutely incredible. So, you know, and kind of like a Steve DC reunion, me just I am in David. Just do cool stuff. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome. So it's, it's it's incredible it's been like it's been more valuable these three months than four years in university <laughs> and actually now that you mentioned university i remember like i don't know what is what is something that you learned at university that you think you couldn't have learned otherwise if there's anything <laughs> yes there is something and it's about how people you think that are competent can be absolutely insane. Okay. Like you, you, you see authority in professors and it's it's like, that's just how it is. It's a hierarchy, academy is a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you see them as superiors, but then you, you realize they're still humans and they're just like, they fail miserably and they don't want to admit it and how corrupted the system is. And definitely, I learned that I should be less naive <laughs> in university. Hmm. You mean less naive about that, about credentials? About academia, about credentials, because mm -hmm. we, we put so much trust in it as a society. We never question about, okay, these people in white coats, they do stuff. We're never going to question it. They're, they're pros, but they're not most of them fail miserably and just like some of them are just uh you know they they have fake results they you know they uh, cheat in the papers and stuff like that yeah. they steal money from grants and it's an actual thing we need to address right mm -hmm. so it definitely made me uh see more about academia and that it's not a perfect system and science is beautiful and you know academia uh, academic system doesn't match the beauty of science so we need to change it hmm. you know i think that science is a lot about like you know questioning and going through first principles not trusting and so on so i wonder what do you think makes a good scientist a good uh, a good scientist that's question it's the this incredible level of curiosity you have to be curious you can be a scientist if you're not curious uh you have to be very science is craft and it's also art wow so you have to be very uh open to ideas to anything you have to you have to experience a lot of stuff just like you need as a scientist you need to explore in my opinion kind of spiritual aspects 
What do you mean by that? So you need to be like, you know, on a good spiritual level, just like understanding your soul and what you want and like other people as a community. It's, it's a very spiritual thing, in my opinion. So yeah, you need to be creative, you need to be curious, and you need to be in love with the world. Wow, interesting. I, I hadn't thought about like the spiritual or artistic part of science. Can you like... It is very science and art, you know, are both craft and science is very, very spiritual. Hmm. All right. Kind of like a religion. Kind of like a religion, you see? Yeah, kind of like a religion and stone, science, definitely. Hmm. Interesting. I I'm going to think about that. <laughs> and also... Uh, I mean, I, I have uh, talked with, with Josiah and David uh, in the past, and I, I think that what impresses me the most about what they do is how, how they just use first principles, right? And they show you like, oh, if you understand how things work, then you can just make it work, right? If, it, if science says it can work, it just will. But then at the same time, you, you talk about like academia and all those things. So for me, it's like I see these two worlds and one tells me like, it's gonna be harder than you think. And the other one says like, just try it. So how do you deal or how did you deal with these two worlds, I guess, when you started with it's biohackers? It's interesting, you know, I feel like biohackers, yeah, it's very, you know, scientific aspect about, you know, we should trust science and like if science says it works, it's gonna work. But also if science says it doesn't work, it doesn't mean that it might not work, right? Because people are making science a thing, right? And there's a human factor. So you kind of have to believe more than just science. You can also, you can have, you know, you also believe in that science can fail or not be true and just try things outside of it in a way. Like, you know, no one's, you know, it, this experience didn't work for anyone else, then that it's never going to work. And you still want to try it, you know, and try other things. And this creative, you know, this stubbornness, this creative aspect, what makes a great scientist. Hmm. Because, you know, a lot of time science says that something is impossible, but um, it's, it, you should still try it. Wow. That's kind of unconventional because I thought the opposite. But do you mean like if people are kind of creating science, then people can make mistakes? So if science says something is impossible, then you should still try it? Yes, of course. Of course. Interesting. You need to, because it's formulated by people that, it, it, it's formulated by people. That's it. <laughs> okay. Probably shouldn't trust people that much, right? If it fails for someone, maybe it doesn't fail for you, especially in bio. I feel like in bio, especially, I'll keep that there's in so mind. many aspects. It's not like, you know, uh, thermodynamics. Okay, in thermodynamics, it's probably if science says that something's impossible, I'd be like, okay, probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thermodynamics. But biology, biology, no, no, no. biology is different. It's <laughs> not as fundamental. Hmm. I mean, probably. it is fundamental, you know, like as a science, but there's a lot of aspects to it. At least not yet. Like we we don't know everything about bio yet. So, who knows? No. And finally, what's the hardest thing you've learned on your own? 
And the hardest thing I learned on my own is uh, is that we all need to take responsibility. And, you know, I, I like to blame academia and, you know, the system we live in and the big pharma. But, you know, you can just deal with anger in this this way. Yeah, you just, you, you'll be angry and it's, it's not going to help anyone. So you take responsibility for, okay, I'll take the responsibility for the world and how it is right now. And I'm going to try to change something. So I try to take responsibility for a lot of things and make them my personal deal and focus on them and try to fix it. And I hope that people would take person, uh, you know, personal accountability more and more, and then we can change the world. I suppose that that's how the Dance Eva Lab started? Yeah, I mean, that's how, yeah, that's how Yano Lab started because we just were right. I was just like, well, I have access to this stuff, but other students don't, and like we don't have another lab. But it's it needs to happen. So I was like, well, maybe I'm not the most comp, uh, you know competent person, but like at least I'll try. Who else if not me, right? Who else if not us? <laughs> we can always wait for someone to do something, but we need to start doing things with our own hands. Take responsibility. Awesome. Well, now to end the episode, I want to ask you two short questions. And the first one is, what is something you strongly believe in that a lot of people would disagree with you on? Well, disagree. Especially as a scientist, you know, you're not supposed to uh, be, you know, spiritual. But I believe in God. Hmm. Okay. And the other one is, If you could tweet something that the whole world read, what would that be? Take responsibility and do biohacking. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much for coming, Daria. I really, really enjoyed talking with you and learning more about you. Thank you so much, Sophia. I really enjoyed this conversation. Unfortunately, this is how this conversation ends, but I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I did. And, you know, I'm getting excited about these, these episodes, more interesting guests coming up, interesting topics. So remember to stay tuned on Twitter where I post the latest content I create and probably also the things that I grow. I'll see you in the next one.